It's Friday, October 6, 2017. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this week, we have been so privileged to have our staff from all around the country and even different parts of the world come and come to Birmingham and to just get to celebrate what brings us together, what unites us. And it's the gospel and discipleship and manifesting this gospel through discipleship to vulnerable children, uh, through the work of adoption and foster care and orphan care and counseling and and just birth parent ministry. And one of uh, just a, a man that I am thrilled that I get to work with and partner with, uh, a man who's an encouragement, I know, to so many is David Willie Wooten. And David uh, is the director of our Florida office. He's the state director for Florida. Um, and, and we're going to get to talk to him in days to come over the podcast about the ministry of Florida. And then I know Romania is just a, a soft spot on his heart. We're going to get to talk about Romania. But today specifically, because we're, we're doing our staff retreat and we're here at our new building at the WMU having our staff retreat, staff retreat reminds us of one of his adoptions of a little girl named Cheyenne, because it was at staff retreat one year that he was called away to help her. And Cheyenne is a, a special young girl who uh, the Lord has great and marvelous purposes for, I know. Um, but I know she's given you permission, David, to give her story and to tell part of her story. And so will you just tell everybody, how did you come to meet Cheyenne and then come to adopt her? Adoption was not really anything that my wife Pepper and I ever talked about or pursued or, or really felt like God was calling us to. And then uh, my wife became a guardian ad litem. In Florida, that means an advocate for a child in foster care who goes to the court and speaks to the judge on behalf of the child's needs. One of the cases that she was assigned in foster care was a little girl named Cheyenne, who would one day become our daughter. Cheyenne had a difficult background. She was removed from her parents at birth in the hospital because of mental illness issues and because of substance abuse issues, and she spent the next decade of her life in foster care. And in foster care, almost everything that you could imagine that can go wrong with a child in foster care really happened to Cheyenne. So a lot of trauma, abuse, abandonment, neglect, developmental delays, sensory processing issues. Cheyenne didn't speak until she was six years old. Her first word was a cuss word. Uh, and she just had a rough, difficult past. And so my wife, Pepper, was assigned to her as a guardian ad litem. And they had her heavily medicated uh, by the state on uh, adult dosages of psychotropic drugs. And they had a staffing where they decided that the best thing for Cheyenne would be to put her in a psych hospital restrain her, medicate her until she was 18 years old, and then to release her. At that time, she was about 10 years old. And so my wife came and said she really didn't feel like she needed to be so heavily medicated. And there was nobody speaking on behalf of this child. And she asked, would we as a family consider adopting her? And uh, I was hesitant at first, but agreed to pray about it. We began to pray and God changed my heart. And, um, gave me kind of a front row seat to what James calls the distress of the orphan. So we we invited uh, uh, the opportunity to adopt her, and, and that's what we did about seven years ago. And so I know that wasn't maybe the most simple transition coming from 
that life and then coming into the Wooten household, not only uh, from the trauma in her background, but you and Pepper had been, you know, parents to three boys. So this was the first girl coming into your family outside of Pepper. And uh, I mean, you were such the, the male family. I mean, you even played Jesus in Passion Plays. I mean, right. <laughs> this was this was a male roles and and a male family. But what was that transition of Cheyenne into the Wooten family like? Yeah, we had never parented girls before. So we immediately learned that there are whole sections of toy stores that we never knew anything about, these pink sections that we didn't know anything about. And so we were introduced to tea parties and dolls and karaoke concerts. And I now know how to put the shoe on the foot of a Barbie, which I had never done before until Cheyenne came into our home. But actually, when she came into our home, uh, I was very naive. I thought, here's a girl that's been in foster care her whole life, bounced around from home to home, school to school, she had never been in the same school the entire school year. One year she was in five different schools mm-hmm. in one school year. And so very naively, I'm thinking this kid just needs a happy place to belong. And our family is a happy place. We love Jesus. We're filled with laughter and love. And she's going to walk into our home and they're going to be rainbows. And we're going to hold hands and run through fields of poppies and sing Kumbaya. I was so naive because I didn't realize that none of us who have had been through that kind of trauma could just check all that at the door and walk away from that and Cheyenne couldn't either and so when she came into our family she brought that pain and fear and rage with her to the point that when she became afraid or became angry uh, or uncertain or unsettled her security mechanism was to run away Mm. and so she would run away and I don't mean run out the door run into the yard I mean like we got to call 911 run away and so she began to do that more frequently. Uh, the police would come. The police would find her, always find her within about an hour and a half. In Florida, we have a thing called the Baker Act, so they would have to take her to a psych hospital for the next 48 hours for, uh, until a psychiatrist would sign off that it was safe for her to come home. And there was just all this upheaval in our family. There was psych hospitals and therapists and law enforcement and, and things that we had never been a part of before. To the, to the degree that, um, you know, a lot of our faith community didn't know how to deal with that because it was so messy, and they just began to back off from mm-hmm. us. And we, we felt very alone and very discouraged uh, in the midst of all that. It got to the point where about every 10 days she would be running away. I might be in a, a meeting like this where I'm sitting here with you and get a phone call. Your daughter's run away, and I'd have mm-hmm. to excuse myself and go deal with that. And for the next 48 hours, we're dealing with that in a psychiatric hospital. And so, you know, my fantasy of running through fields of poppies and singing Kumbaya, we were running through fields, but there were police helicopters overhead. <laughs> and so um, it was just a lot of pain and a lot of trauma. And to be really transparent and honest with you, there came a point after she had run away a couple of dozen times where we did gather our older boys who were now in their late teens and early 20s, about to step into independence. And we just said, guys, we for two years we've tried to parent her. We can't keep her safe. It Her needs are beyond our capacity to care for her. We think we need to throw in the towel. Now, Cheyenne had been adopted twice before and thrown back into the foster care system because of her behavior. And we were really at the end of our ropes. And and to be honest with you, my boys had a backbone when their daddy didn't. Mm. And they said, Dad, listen, we knew this kid had problems when she came in our family. Maybe we didn't know how many. Maybe we didn't know how severe they were. But we knew she had problems. 
And the fact of the matter is, she's our sister, and she's your daughter. And we're Wootens, and Wootens don't turn their back on family. And so I said, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. Tonight we will burn that bridge. We will never again consider not being her family. But you boys need to realize your mom and I don't have a clue how to parent her. We can't parent her the way we parented you boys. We can't think use things like corporal punishment. We can't use things like time out to say to a kid that's been abandoned her whole life, go away from us and be in your room by yourself, isolated, triggers all these fears and rages. And I had no idea that's what was going on in her heart and in her mind. And so we really were at a loss as to what to do. And I know that, you know, certainly that decision, while emotional, and I'm sure that, uh, I mean, even people that are listening are in their hearts, there's just victory that your boys would do that and that your family yeah, comes that I'm point. I'm very proud of them. But that doesn't mean the trauma ended. Right. And that doesn't mean that all of a sudden now you're running through those fields of poppies, which later I hope you'll tell me what a poppy is. But, you know, I guess that's a, a hillbilly Tennessee term that you <laughs> it's use. It's a flower. It's a, a flower. A flower. Okay, okay. Yes. But um, so you're not running through fields of poppies, but just because you've had this moment, it doesn't mean the trauma stops. And, you know, I mean, I think even the reason we think about right now at Staff Retreat Cheyenne is because you were called away from a staff retreat. Um, because of trauma she was experiencing at school. So how, how have you and Pepper responded to her trauma and, and maybe learned and grown how to respond? To that yeah, trauma? it was shortly after that meeting that we had as a family that Pepper and I came on staff with Lifeline. And as a new employee, we went through the training that we take our adoptive families through. And I'm sitting there in that training the first 10 minutes or so, and I'm thinking, I have so messed up in parenting Cheyenne I've actually probably caused her more harm than help in parenting the, her the way that I parented my biological mm-hmm. kids, not understanding trauma-informed care. But as I continued to listen to the training that we provide our families, I began to see a glimmer of hope, and not just a glimmer of hope, but a bright light of hope, and that there was a pathway to healing and help for my daughter. And it wasn't so much that there were things that she needed to change as it was there were things Pepper and I needed Mm. to change in our parenting. And as we began to implement the things that we learned through our crossings training at Lifeline, we began to see God heal our home and heal our family and heal our daughter. And she's, she's come a long way. It has been uh, about four and a half years since she has run away. At one point she was running away about every 10 days. And, um, Uh, Now she's running, but she's running as a Special Olympics athlete. (laughs) In fact, Florida Special Olympics recently did a magazine feature on her about her elopements during foster care and in our early adoption days, and now how instead she's running as a Special Olympics athlete. And so uh, it's been been encouraging to see the process that she is, uh, that God's taking her through. I know that's, that's beautiful for you and Pepper because I know how hard those first moments were and that training has been equipping but I think for encouragement for other families that might be dealing with kids with trauma you know one of the things you were sharing to me even before we started this podcast is the last month has been tough it's been difficult right you haven't lost hope but it's been it's been difficult Um, I know that you and Pepper have great dreams and ideals for Cheyenne and and I know that you have, you know, hopes and, and dreams of, of things that she'll be able to accomplish. But what do you think the future holds for Cheyenne? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've been told she'll never be able to live independently. We've also been seeing the progress that she's made and, and think that maybe that is a, a possibility for her. We certainly don't know what the future holds, but we do know that God's writing her story. In fact, Cheyenne knows that God is writing her story. 
when we were in Georgia during the time that we were the Georgia State Director for Lifeline, we were uh, at a large church and I was away preaching somewhere. Pepper and our little kids were at church and a lady shared her testimony. And after church, Cheyenne said, I want to go meet that lady. And so they looked and looked, but it was a big church and they never found her. And finally, Pepper turned and said, Cheyenne, why is it so important that we find this lady? And Cheyenne said, because she told her story. And I want you and dad to tell my story because Mm -hmm. it may help kids that come from where I come from. Mm -hmm. And so she knows God's writing her story and that story's not finished. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of difficulties and delays in her behavior even today. But we have hope that God, Mm -hmm. who writes our stories, will continue to write hers. Amen. And like you even talked about this morning in our staff retreat about that when we don't even know what to pray, when y'all don't even know what to pray for Cheyenne, that God uses groanings to help you. But also the next verse after what you taught from this morning is Roman 8, 28. And so we know that in all things, God works the good of those who are called according to his purpose. So even in the brokenness of Cheyenne's story and the brokenness of all of these kids' stories, our prayer is that God would work good for his glory and for his purposes. And so we're just grateful to have David. He is, as you can tell, such a, a pastor and a shepherd, and he shepherds our team in Florida well and really shepherds our ministry there well. And, um, you know, I, I would just encourage you, if you know David and you don't realize that he was Jesus in the Passion Play, uh, make sure that you get a copy of those photos. Uh, Pepper, his wife, actually has those in her Bible that she has with her on a Sunday morning. And so if you have the great opportunity of getting to go to church with David and Pepper Wooten, you too can see David as Jesus. And uh, But you know what, brother? In all seriousness, I've seen the character of Christ so much in you too, and in the way you do that. And uh, the way you shepherd your family and the way you've grown your boys. And so I'm grateful for the way that God is using you guys in Florida, but in the life of Cheyenne and in the life of Jacob as you raise them to be godly men and women. Thank you, Herbie. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.